Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. Guys, I'm so glad you've made it here and you're hanging out with us in Insurance Town. It's really going to be a cool episode. We're going to get into some awesome stuff with my man, Aaron Gordon. You've heard him on other podcasts, but not like this. Can't wait for you to hear it. Before we get into it, I want to talk to you about my title sponsor in Smart Choice. If you're an independent agent who's struggling to get those contracts you need, or appointments you want uh, to grow your business, or maybe you're trying to balance multiple carry relationships and you're struggling because of those high production and volume requirements. Well, Smart Choice is here to help you with that. And they don't charge you any fees to start up or any monthly fees. They only work off commission splits. And they don't require you to move all your existing carriers underneath their umbrella, or they don't take ownership in your agency. No. They just want to help you grow your business and support your brand. Uh, They really help you navigate those relationships with carriers because they negotiate higher commission percentages and lower production requirements to help you balance your book. It's no wonder that they are the fastest growing agency network in the country, hands down, with over 9,000 agencies. Yeah, you heard that right. 9,000 agencies across the country. It's unbelievable. Go to smartchoiceagents.com, click on the Find the Markets tab, find your uh, your rep in your state, reach out to them, tell them the mayor sent you. You're going to be glad that you did. It's awesome. Also, I want to talk to you about my good friends over at CoverDesk. CoverDesk is awesome. Uh, I really am glad they've come on uh, to the show as a sponsor. Uh, CoverDesk is a win-win to help you grow your business. With highly skilled virtual assistants, you can eliminate the burden of administrative tasks and lower overhead costs without sacrificing customer support. The clients get what they need in a timely manner. Uh, This allows you to focus on your business. CoverDesk handles all these tasks for you, saving your business time and money because they've been through insurance training. Uh, My man Andy over there has put them through rigorous training and taught them our language Uh, They've been through the agency management systems. They've been through the carrier portals. They know our business. They can do so many awesome things to help you grow. Go to CoverDesk.com or go to hello at CoverDesk.com and email them and tell them the mayor sent you and uh, talk to them about uh, what it means to have a virtual assistant in your business. Guys, uh, also going back to the show today, Aaron Gordon is uh, a second-generation insurance professional doing some big things in his agency, and uh, we talk about some of that and some of the lessons that he's learned along the way and some of the cool stuff that he's doing uh, in his agency. Uh, I, I am super pumped that he is with us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Aaron Gordon. What's going on, Aaron Gordon? How are you? Yeah, great day. Sunny day here in New York. Rain hasn't started yet, so I'm happy. Oh, it hadn't started yet. Does that mean you know it's coming? It's, it's always just around the corner here in New York in the summer, but it's warmed up. I uh, got my AC going, which is, you know, point of contention in my house because I like it cold. But the day I get to turn on my AC is a day that I'm happy. So 
Oh, okay. there you go. So summer's coming. Um, it's coming. It's already here. We're already at 92 degrees yesterday. So I hate to, to brag a little bit, but Little Oof. Rock, you know, we get that hot weather. So uh, anywho, so talk to me. Let's take a walk down memory lane. Tell me a little bit about Aaron. Introduce my audience to who you are if they haven't already heard you on other shows because he's a rock star, guys. Yeah, sure. So first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, I am a second generation classic PNC insurance agent, born and raised in New York. That'll probably come out in this podcast because I can't really hide it. I've tried, but you can't take the New York out of New York. Moved to the suburbs of uh, of the five boroughs, have a wife and four wonderful children. Keeping the grind going, pushing what is trusted advice, what is a non-commodity driven insurance industry. I am so bullish on this industry. I love what we're doing. I love the people who I've gotten to meet and I love being able to help my clients I also love the fact that if I can't help them, I have an ally who thinks the same way and will give them the level of service that they deserve. So born and raised in New York, stuck here, don't really plan on going anywhere else. I'd love to get to warmer weather. So let me know if the house next door comes for sale. And yeah, that's just just having a great time in this industry. I will say that everyone asked me how COVID, and maybe this is a good segue, how COVID impacted our business. It reaffirmed to me that there is a place for the insurance industry and for trusted insurance advice in everyone's life. And that uh, the gecko and his or hers friends in terms of insanity and flow and all the rest of them got nothing on the rest of us. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. And and that is a decent segue. I wasn't going to get into this, but look at you guiding my show here. Um, you know, but I, that's I am the New York in me. I told you I was going to take the thing over. Come on. That's right. That's right. And, and guys, it's going to be fun. Um, so I do want to ask you, though, because New York was totally different pandemic-wise than it was here in Arkansas. Hell, three or four weeks into the pandemic, we had people at Walmart not wearing masks at all. And so I know y'all were completely shut down. So I'm, I'm sure you had a different experience. And I know pandemic's wrapping up, at least down here. It may not be there. But how Amen. did that affect you a little bit? Yeah, so for us, we went from being in the largest, busiest hyped business city in the world, business community, new businesses opening every day, opportunities, the streets hustling and bustling, that type of energy to, for the first time in our lives, we had employees working from home. I know there are people that have have adopted the work from home. For us, some of it is old school. Some of it is that we're in Manhattan. So it's kind of an easier commute for people to get to. And we don't out... We, don't outsource our work. So everyone just came into the office. And then it went from literally on a Friday, my father called me into his office, I think on Monday or Tuesday, the first week in March and said, I was just talking to a friend of mine who works at one of our carriers. And we were talking about the potential of the Olympics getting canceled and what that would look like in terms of event cancellation and insurance. And he said, no one's talking about it yet, but this thing is coming. And we had no plan. I literally went to the Verizon store. That Friday or Thursday, spent four hours there with the rep, getting cell phones for our people, had our IT people in, figuring out how to remote in until we could get the hardware. And it was crazy here. It still is somewhat crazy here in that the streets are empty. I, I hope it comes back. Today's May 26th. And they keep saying that businesses are coming back, but like our floor in our office, there's usually that hustle and bustle. Now it's less hustle and bustle. There's less energy. There's more fear. There's more people analyzing their insurance coverage, which we love, but looking at things, looking at things that are different, looking at emerging risks, work from home and things like that. So it was, it was, and is, I mean, it's less now, thank God, but it was a really, really scary time. And as, as, as it's part of my history, you know, my father's 80 years old, had a kidney transplant. My older brother, thankfully was able to donate a kidney to him five years ago. So that's immunosuppression, all that kind of stuff. Wasn't a fun time to be 
here and worried about your parents. So, you know, it's, it's funny, as I told you a little bit ago, uh, my little brother, you know, Chase Sheeran, who was also on the show not too long ago, um, a little shameless plug there, but um, he, he loves New York. It's like his favorite place. And we, one of the reasons is obviously the city that never sleeps, always energy. He was like, they really do. And we first went there from Arkansas several, I guess, 15 years ago or so. He came back telling me there's just, just energy about New York that you can't understand. And you can, you know, wake up in the middle of the night, two 30 in the morning, can't go back to sleep. You can go out. There's people out in the streets. There's, you know, something going on in a restaurant. You go grab a slice of pizza. You can go do this. It's just always going on. And again, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but it is fascinating to me and some of my listeners in, in the South to hear about, because y'all are known for your food. You know, I watch Bobby Flay every day on TV and he's just like a neighbor to y'all. But like to hear about the pizza places shutting down, the restaurants shutting down, all those displaced employees, you know, what was that? I, I, what's, what's crazy about it is that what's I'm in New York, yeah, everywhere there's takeout food, but part of the vibe that you're describing is that you walk into a restaurant or you can't get a new restaurant comes to town, you can't get a reservation or all that kind of stuff. And so part of that, that energy plays into it. And a lot of them, you know, there's this thing all over the country, ghost kitchens, where people that didn't do takeout before or Uber Eats were big and things like that. But the problem that we had here, and there was a big push in my local community, more than just shop local, but if you're employed and you can afford takeout, whereas before you might not have done it, like, just support a local restaurant because the footprint and the lift in terms of expenses is so much higher and we didn't want it to be. And I'm seeing it all over the place. I didn't want to come back a year later or however long later it was going to be. And there's nothing left. I mean, my father came back to office for the first time two days ago and he likes to eat salads for lunch. And he says to the guy in office, what's open anymore? I don't even know. My, my favorite coffee shop closed. And it was, it's tragic to me forgetting because, because they make awesome coffee and I love coffee. So those places have suffered and I hope it comes back. Uh, I, I feel for commercial landlords, for residential landlords, for those businesses that were really foot traffic driven. But I, everyone keeps telling me and I got to believe that the city and this country has a certain level of resilience and we'll get through it. But it's weird. It, it was weird. When, I, I, when our office was closed, I was coming in one night a week to get the mail and it was creepy. The streets, right? You're, the street. There's always supposed to be street lights. There's always supposed to be someone honking at someone for cutting them off or cursing at someone or people moving or people that are jogging at two o'clock in the morning and jogging at two o'clock in the afternoon. And it was just quiet and dead and more shops boarded up and more things going on. So it's, but we, I hope it comes back. Yeah. We definitely saw the resilience after nine 11 in New York and, you know, everything else that it went on, you know, I, I think it's definitely something that's going to have to come back. Uh, and I can't imagine our country without New York being New York. You know what I mean? We, so, we, I'm glad that you agree that we're the center of the world. So thank you for putting our ego. Exactly what it to be. <laughs> you know, I love it when my, when you put words in my mouth. That's cool. Um, no, you and my wife both love to put words in my mouth. So um, anyway, no, I'm kidding. So you know, let's get into, because, you know, something that you and I have in common. Uh, my dad is 77 years old, uh, gangster, selling insurance to this day, uh, every single day. Um, I talked to him probably three or four times a week, if not more. And it's always, you know, I just, I I you know, I got a new client yesterday or I just wrote this guy or I just, and I'm like, dad, retire already. You're 77. There's something about that, that age group. And we can get that here in a minute, but I do want to know for you, was that something that you knew as a kid coming in, you were going to be an insurance agent or they pressured you into it? Or you mentioned you had a brother 
Is anybody, any any other siblings in the business? Uh, give me a little bit of background there. I love second generation. Sure. Yeah. So I, my father started our firm in December of 1968, uh, married my mother in 1983, and she immediately came on board. In fact, uh, her previous employer is still in the industry or maybe has retired recently. But when I started, I used to see him at industry events and he would say, I'll never forgive your father for taking my best employee. And I said, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's my mama you're talking about. But um, there was no pressure at all, actually. Uh, it's interesting that none of my siblings were so interested in the business. My, I have three brothers and a sister and one of my brothers worked here for a short period of time, but it was a different time for the business. I, as, as you know, I kind of mentioned, I was born later in my parents' life. So by the time when I was in college and I was thinking about a career, my father has no hobbies and I'm sure we'll get into that. His hobbies are insurance, probably similar to your father's, but it was, Hey, we can sell this thing when the, when the roll-ups were just getting going. Or if you're interested, obviously we'd love if any of our kids came in and one summer I didn't have a job. And I came into the business and my wife thinks it's funny, but it really is the truth. There's a book. I'm going to pull it down and show it to you. But I grew up thinking that my parents we were superheroes. Why? Because they did really cool things. They help people. Uh, there's this book from the Academy of Insurance that I recommend to everyone. It's called Popsicle Insurance. It's basically a little kid's book on how to teach your kids what insurance is and what insurance agents are. And it talks about how basically the kid thinks his dad's a superhero. And that's what I thought. We had no until five years ago, we had no voicemail. So the phones were forwarded to our off, to our house. I mean, excuse me. And when we the phone would ring nine o'clock at night, one of our commercial clients gets into an auto accident. My father takes his dinner, you know, takes the napkin off of here, drops it on the table and goes darting out. Now he's not a heart surgeon. He's not, you know, on emergency EMS, but there was something about it. And then when I was choosing a career, I realized that the really, really successful people that I knew or whose parents were really successful, their parents most of the time were never around. And my dad and my mom, who I knew worked in the business together, gave us a pretty decent life. They were people who I knew who flew on private jets. I've never done that. I'm totally fine with that. But I had an amazing life, a great life. We lacked nothing. And I missed more family dinners for basketball practice in my, you know, maybe I'm wrong than my father did for business trip. No, yet, yeah, so. you're exactly right. My brother and I joke, cause again, you know, people that know this about me, you know, my brother's an underwriter in this business. My wife's in this business. Her dad was an agent, you know, obviously my dad, my mom's worked with my dad off and on. So, I mean, I get that. But I, I'll tell you the funniest thing. My dad teaches classes at the Big Eye now, um, as uh, pre-licensed classes and whatnot. And he always tells this story, and I get mad because I get these phone calls all the time about it. But when I started, you know, I came into the office first day. I was like 21 years old, and um, you know, I I was looking around. And I was like, Dad, where's my office? Where's my desk? And Dad was like, What are you talking about? You don't get a desk. You don't you don't get an office. You, you know, you got to earn your stripes. So I imagine that was similar for you. Where did you start off in the agency? Because I had to work every role in my dad's agency before I ever got a chance to write a piece of business. I wasn't allowed to touch a phone or a computer, basically, unless I was answering the phone like receptionist style for the first three or four summers that I was in the business. I just, I, and one of the things, this is great. We're going down memory lane. I'll show you something. Hold on a second. Sorry. Sorry to the listeners. I have this notebook. This notebook is literally back from 2006 when I started in the business. Every day at four o'clock in the summer, my father would close the door and lecture me on insurance. What's property? What's casualty? What was Lloyd's Coffee House? 
all this stuff that and he and I wish the podcast were a thing back then because I wish I would have recorded it. But I started at the bottom. My father has always and my mother have always taught me that you earn respect. You earn respect from your underwriters. You earn trust from your clients and you earn respect from your employees. I hope that the employees that have been here since I started, uh, we have one left, one retired a couple of years ago. She was with us for close to 30 years and I hope I've earned it from them. I always try to be the first one in and the last one out because I can't expect people to do more for our business and for our clients than I will. So yeah, that, that oh, was, I, that I get was it. Grind. Yeah. I, I really think it'd be cool. Maybe we should do this. We should have a podcast with your dad, my dad, and me and you, and just I would get love after it. it. Love it. Get after it. That would be so much fun just to hear that old school versus new school. Uh, First of all, the two of them, you think I put words in your mouth and take over your podcast. <laughs> tells me if your dad's anything like my dad, you and I would just, sit back and the two of them would just talk. Oh yeah, really? I remember in 1977, oh, yeah. you could actually speak to an underwriter and you didn't have to worry about email and all this BS. And we wrote on the back of a napkin and they could hold them to their word. And there weren't aggregate tables and terrorism risk and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Dad, you know, my dad, you know, he was telling me stories about selling life insurance with these little books. You would have the rates in the books and you would go through and, you know, you would know the tables and you would know this and you would go through it by weight and height anyway. And I'm like, dad, you know, and I guess that, uh, that leads me. And it's so cool. And I love that you have the Kobe Bryant mentality. First one in last one out and, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, but you know, I just, um, you know, I, uh, I love that, the grind that you talked about. Uh, my wife and I are always talking about the grind. In fact, she just put out a, a, uh, video series called the grind, but, um, you know, so back to, you know, she and I are both second generation. And we talk about it a lot. So are you. And so going back to that, that age group, that 77 to, you said, is your dad 80? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that generation, you know, it's a totally different ball game. And again, I think we're coming, at least for me anyway, maybe it's just because I'm, you and I are cut from that cloth. I feel like it's going back a little bit to that relationship. Uh, And I think that even though we've got more tech companies, we've got more, you know, companies wanting to take, you know, payments by, you know, electronically, or they're wanting to set you up this way or that way. I still feel like there's a huge need and even more now than ever for the relationship. And maybe pandemic helped that, or maybe it's been going on prior, but I'm a big relationships guy. As I said, yeah, I'm bullish on this industry in that, and it's, it's driven by the relationships. I think my father's been preaching and I've been saying this. I didn't believe it when I first spoke about it. And told people that this was my philosophy. I'll be totally honest with you. I didn't believe that it was true or that would make it. That relationships with underwriters and relationships with a client will will lead the day. I do think that there's a place for technology. Yes, I think it's silly for someone to have to print out a 50-page application and not e-sign it. Them printing it out and signing it or e-signing it is not a reflection of your relationship. That's not how you're the way I view technology is that's not how I'm interacting with them. I'm leveraging the technology because I have it to make life easier. I'm having video calls when they have a team all across the country, whereas before they would say, hey, can I fly? We have to fly people in. Or so we're using that, but that's not changing the relationship. I'll tell you something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. One of the things, amazing things about being in New York and why I love being here is we work with a lot of startups. So some of them don't make it, some of them do. And when they make it, one of the things that I've always been nervous about is they're just going to go to a bigger broker. They're going to go, they're going to say, I need something that's more, that's fancier. Or one of my investors says I have to go here or yada, yada, yada. And we have one that recently, it's one of these reverse COVID businesses where direct-to-consumer business was doing great before, but just blew up. And so they're taking in some funding and they were working with a competitor of ours, one of the larger brokers, 
as a consultant. And so they were asking me a lot of really detailed questions and they sent me an application that they had completed for the other um, broker for some of their shipping risk. And I called the guy and I said, hey, I just have to ask you a question. I get it. I've been down this road before. I'm a small guy. Are you leaving me? Because I'm willing to do the work, but I just, I'm a New Yorker. I just got to be straight to the point. And he said, I'm so sorry that it came off that way. The easiest way for, our, for us to audit our sales was doing a BI worksheet. It happened to be that they sent us theirs, but we're actually, we're with you. We're growing with you. We love you. We have those relationships. You've been with us and our CEO since we were like basically a $500 bot, not quite, but really close to that. So I believe in that. There, We also got that renewal because we leaned on our underwriters and we have those relationships with them. I, I have to believe that there's still something to that. Yes. And by the way, same thing, technology. Yes. Underwriters are using computers and automated tables. It would be silly if they were still using those books that you described, but then how do they interact with the brokers? We pick up the phone. We have pleasant conversations. I'm dealing with a complicated claim now. Sometimes it's unpleasant, but that's how you, that's how you build relationships, right? It's not being married to someone. is not about the, only the good times. It's mostly about when you wake up in the morning and you're really pissed off, but yet you're grinding through together. So no, you're exactly right. And I feel like that, you know, this technology that comes along and the things that you're putting in that your, your mom and dad's old school, 1968 started agency. And hopefully you're, I'm sure your mom and dad have, have embraced it. And the rest of the staff there is saying, you know, this is not replacing human interaction. This is not replacing relationship. It's enhancing our relationships. Yeah, for sure. I, the, the example that I give everyone and my dad and I talk about this all the time is when I started, we had a typewriter that's how we issued certificates. Then we scanned them in. We didn't have an agency manager system until 2015. When we have commercial clients now and they have a renewal and the coverage renews and we update the coverages and the policy of that, and you can issue 50 certificates of insurance and email them out to the appropriate parties in under three minutes, you can't tell me that that's not better for my client. You're not missing one. It's in the system. It's not slipping right. through the cracks. They don't have a lender or a vendor that they show up to deliver the product to. And the guy says, your, your insurance expired. And that doesn't impact the relationship. In fact, it helps the relationship because I can now say to them, by the way, thanks to the renewal order. Here's one PDF. I want you to know we mailed all these out to the ones that are mailed. We emailed them out. We faxed them out. Everything went out. If anyone comes back to you and says they didn't get it, just shoot me a note. I'll get it to them within five minutes. Yeah. That's, that's technology enhancing the relationship. Bingo. And by the way, so there are places that would tell me, hey, you should just automate your search. I don't want to do that because I still like to review the coverages. I still like to say when there's a shortfall or something missing, or a lot of times we find out that our clients are getting into a new business or a new vertical that we didn't know about right. via a request for a certificate. And then that's a relationship enhancer because I can have another touch point with them. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So, I'm completely, yeah, completely understand that. And so where, you know, and I guess when you're talking to your, your clients and I, I feel the same way, you got to even tailor, you know, the way you talk to people for being, a, as you call yourself a, a millennial, I guess that's, you know, because uh, not necessarily your age, but your know, mentality as well. Do you, do you tailor, is your, most of your clientele, I should start this way. Is most of your clientele look like you, uh, millennial? No. And do you tailor your message towards the Gen X or the boomers or the whoever? And when you're talking technology, you know, obviously you've got to have some fact finding in there and say, okay, because I text messaged most of my clients, you know, in the beginning. And I'd always start off that way when I was selling and they would let me know really quickly. I'd have some of those that'd be like, okay, I don't want to be texted. Don't blow up my phone. Send me email or fax me back in the day or whatever it may be. You know, and so I didn't know if you had to, if you had a fact finding way, how you handled those people, what did you do on that uh, as you're selling to some of the older generation? I so, asked you a lot of questions there. 
Yeah. So first of all, a lot of great questions. This is a, this is a tough one. You told me that, you know, this is going to be an easy ride. This is not so easy. You're a good interview, but um, I try to, we try to meet clients where they want to be met. Sometimes our clients are a little woozy of technology apps, carrier websites, things like that onboarded a new home insured last week or the week before. And over the course of the conversation, it became clear to me that if I emailed them the policy, that was not going to work. So I just kind of met her right off the bat. And I said, and by the way, I'll make sure to send you a hard copy of your policy. In fact, you happen to live a couple blocks from my parents. I drop off their mail every week. I'm going to hand deliver it. And she said, you can still do paper. I said, of course I can still do paper. I have a printer. In fact, the insurance company actually pays and sends me your policy. Most of the time I either shred it or because I've already downloaded it or I scan it and then shred it, but I'll more than happily meet you where you want to be met. I set up phone calls. What's interesting to me about the technology shift is I think most people underestimate that 65 to 85 age bracket and how much they really want to embrace technology. They might not be great at it and they may not text message you, but 99% of our clients, and I can only say 99 or it's 99.9, have email. We have some that still don't have email, which is fine. But how many people now, even people in my parents' age, my dad pays so many of his bills online now, and my mom still loves to handwrite checks. So if I can help someone through that process and make it easier for them, it may take them a little bit. They may have time, trouble navigating the the carrier site, and I'm never getting rid of that touch. If you If you only want to hear from me on WhatsApp or text message, You'll only hear from me on WhatsApp or text message. If you only want emails, you only get emails. If you want me to schedule on your Calendly, no problem. If you want to schedule on my Calendly or the like, no problem. If So it's for me, the, the more difficult thing, because I love talking to people, is how do we tailor the agency's message? It's we, we're doing a social media push. We're working on some social media. And I don't want to lose that old school feel or that client focused feel because I know as consumers, when we look at services or when we look at vendors that we're going to work with, when there's this quick brand shift to technology, it spooks people like my parents and me also. So what I'm trying to do is I'm effectively creating what I'll call two avenues. One is the Gordon company's name, which you've grown to know and love, which you've worked with. If you want it to change with technology, it will change with technology. If you want it to be the same way it's been for 55 years, 60 years, no problem. My dad built that. I can be, people tell me I sound like him and act like him. And then there's the Aaron Gordon, which is, as you said, the guy who acts like a millennial, the guy who kind of is more personable on social media, does that on Instagram, maybe does a video proposal, maybe does things like that. And it is definitely a tough balancing act. I think eventually they'll mold but what pays our bills, what pays my salary, what pays for my kids' food are those people who have been with us for the last 30 plus years. And I'm definitely not doing anything to get rid of them. Man, I love that guitar riff. Uh, but you know what that means? We're at a mid-roll ad. I got to talk to you about my friends over at Canopy Connect. They are your one-click solution to getting the deck pages. You need to quote your prospect. You know, lately I've been doing some demos with them and introducing them to some of you, my citizens out there. And each time that happens, you guys sign up and you call me weeks later like, oh my gosh, you were not lying. This is unbelievable. Uh, it actually works. I send this to my customers. Within seconds, I get the deck pages. They think it's great. I think it's great. And now you can create customizable links for your referral partner that you can send them that they use. And again, it sends you those deck pages in seconds. You get your business done, uh, the customer's happy, the referral partner's happy, you're right in business, 
and proving your agency. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Uh, check it out, usecanopy.com. Tell them the mayor sent you. Let's get back to the show. Sure. So let's. Uh, I want to set a little bit of. Uh, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but let's uh, let's set this for a second. What is what's the breakdown commercial to personal lines? Uh, so parameters. In, maybe, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. But yeah. Let's set that for a minute. So it's probably in terms of policy count, pretty close to 50-50. Okay. But in terms of premium or revenue, it's probably like 75-25, just because you. Even your largest personal account is not yeah. getting to a middle market commercial, but yeah. we have our core business is what most people would call middle market commercial and high net worth personal. And then I love small commercial. I love small homeowners. I love getting in with people in the beginning of their insurance life cycle because I think it's important and that they deserve the same advice and service. And those are easier policies. Obviously, they don't generate as much revenue. And then we do have larger commercial accounts, which are great, but every renewal, there's some big business competitor who's gotten some insider data that they shouldn't have and thinks that they can beat us. They never really beat us. And I can say that confidently. We, and I, I mention this all the time because I really believe it, us quote unquote independence, even if you're 10 times my size, the $100 million agencies or the $1 million agencies, we beat up on the big guys incredibly every day. They don't even know that they're missing the business. They're acquiring some of the smaller agencies. And then we just get it because our clients get put, those clients get put in service centers. And I almost never take business from my friends. I don't even, th th their policies don't even come to me because they're good. You know, I don't BOR. I don't see, I don't see your dad's agency. I don't know your dad, but I'm saying I, it would be hard yeah, yeah, for me no, to see you. your dad's agency on a complaint where then I get a BOR. You know, the the interesting thing is, as you say that, and now you're guiding me down a different direction to where I was going to go, but we'll come back, hopefully. Um, what I do find fascinating is, you know, there was a, a trend, you know, you said you've been in about 10 years, and maybe it was starting about 10 years ago, where the, the talk around the industry, at least in the South, and maybe up there in New York, was the days of the small mom and pop agencies were going away. Now I see that trend shifting the opposite direction. And I feel like, the future of our industry is in the small mom and pop agencies and, and in the smaller shops. And uh, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. Yeah. So my father has been telling me for 56, for 50 years since he started the business and 60 years since he started in the industry, everyone's been telling him the independent agent is going to die. And guess what? You know what keeps happening? People keep coming to us and offering us more money and more multiples. And in my opinion, dumber multiples. And so Everybody who told me I was going to die, you know what would have been stupid of me to sell to you eight years ago? Because by the way, I could sell to the same person now for two or three X what they would have offered me before. And what they were offering me before was stupid. So in terms of a business model, that's one. And the second thing is, and it gets back to the technology play. I think that why people thought agencies were going to die was because it was becoming difficult to deal with us. So at Carrier X, when you have a one, two, three million dollar book of business or under a million dollars, it's a burden on them to assign an underwriter and deal with you because you don't have the technology in place. And then they say their profits are slimming. But right now, with the ease of access to technology, and by the way, in my humble opinion, I think you'll agree, but please, if you don't or if you do, let me know. I think that smaller agencies actually have better technology because those new age AMSs, and the really good ones 
and you and I both know what I'm referring to, the new ones and the good ones and those CRMs and things like that. When you're a small lean agency like mine, you can implement things and well, yeah. not only make it easier for the consumer, but make it easier for the underwriter where the big guys, you know what it takes for them to switch AMSs or to well, switch half Salesforce to something else. You're exactly right. We could pivot a lot better as a smaller agency. You're able to be nimble and, you know, be able to do those things that just a big dog can't do a bank owned agency, a large shop and not to knock on them. I got a lot of listeners that are in large shops, so don't leave, don't turn it off yet. But what I'm saying is as you know, the majority of my listeners are those small shops. Um, you know, whatever you define small as you can be more nimble. And I guess if you're listening to this and you are a large shop, try to find a way to be more nimble <laughs> and try to do that because, you know, Aaron and I, I'm going to speak for you on this. Uh, I'm putting words in your mouth now. <laughs> um, I like would say wife. that there you go. There you go. I would say Aaron is for you, the large agency and the small agency. We want to see us all do well as independent agents. However, you're right. I do think um, the smaller shops are able to do that because they can pivot. I think that legal concerns get in the way at, in big businesses in ways that they don't necessarily have to. If you work at a big agency and you're listening to this, keep doing what you're doing. But what I would tell you, my piece of advice to you to go back to your principals or to your managers is everyone talks about niche markets in terms of target clients. See if you can convince them to let you break out, not in terms of ownership, but in terms of how you handle things. And even if you're duplicating the AMS, or even if you're duplicating a piece of technology, if you're willing to be the guinea pig, it'll be a little bit more difficult for you, but go do it. You know, how many big, how many, how many big agencies now are having podcasts when they never thought that they'd legally be able to? And it's just some producer or some CSR who's motivated enough and says, I want to leverage the big shop. That's where they can beat the small shops. The way they can beat the small shops is be personable. Don't be stuck in legal mumbo jumbo and formal proposals. Meet the clients the way we meet them. But by the way, you could kill me in market access. You could kill me in marketing dollars and presentations. And by the way, you could strong arm underwriters in ways that I can. I do it via relationships. You can do it via premium, but try to silo out what you want to do. And if you're a big agency principal, and I know that some of the aggregators are struggling right now, and I don't want to see them fail, I want to see them be successful. But instead of just rolling everybody up, maybe there's a piece of technology or a workflow that one of these agencies that is having that you don't want to get rid of, even if it costs you a couple of dollars. And so I'm not knocking the big the big agents. I don't. You know, I was at a I was recently right before COVID. I was at a fundraiser, and uh, one of the big agencies was there, and they said, "Okay, we're going to have the raffle now that we sponsored." And I'm going to invite the risk manager from major airline X, who's our client to pull the raffle. And I look at my underwriter who's standing right next to me. And I said, man, wouldn't it be nice to have that account? And he looks at me and he goes, you wouldn't want that account. You can't handle that account. A, the revenue model's different. B, the service model's different. You wouldn't be able to service it. You would lose money on it. You'd have to outsource too much of it. And so I'm totally cool with that. Go for it. But small businesses love small businesses, right? How many of our clients use us? And we try to use as many of our clients as we can because we want to see them succeed. So yeah, I don't think the small agency channel's dead. Um, nope. I don't know what's going to happen with aggregators. I don't because the pool well, keeps drying up. I really don't know, but- We'll see what happens. Well, I, you know, and I got you, you're setting me up here because I've got I got to put a plug in because my my largest sponsor is Smart Choice, which is the largest network uh, in the country, and they're doing 
some huge things. And again, it's because they're partnering up with technology and because they're thinking about the smaller guys and they're thinking like that. And they love those smaller shops because they recognize what you do. And what I do is they have the relationships. They have the boots on the ground. We could, you know, they could do those things. They're, smart they're a choice. different beast. Smart choice is a different beast. Cause what I think I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, but smart choice is, has that model. They're saying David Gordon, I know what you are really good at. Aaron Gordon, I know what you're really good at. And by the way, if I put any stumbling block in your way, you're going to stop being good at that, right? So they say, do what you want. Obviously, it makes sense if there's a process, right? If they can get a better deal or a better product for the same price that I'm getting for a better AMS or for a better phone VoIP system or anything like that. Obviously, it's a no-brainer to use them, but... It's like saying, if I like using an iPhone and the whole company's on Android, if you, if I don't know how to use an Android phone and it takes me six months to learn it, I'm not selling. I'm too busy wasting my time with an Android. So wouldn't you say, okay, dude, just keep your iPhone. That's, that, that's, that's an analogy that I give, you know, yeah, well, yeah. I don't want to lose, you use a new phone system. And by using that phone system, my clients are going to stop calling because it has an auto attendant. I'm not saying you owner have to answer my phones. Just let me answer the phones I want and not put an auto attendant in. So, right. No, I'm with you. I, uh, but I had to pl- throw that plug in there because, you know, like I said, you know, smart choice to my largest, and but also great. I also believe in them and also believe in what they're doing. And like I said, they are partnered up. And one of the, the coolest things and uh, about being you know, the mayor of insurance town is now they're working with Canopy Connect. They're working with CoverDesk, two of my other sponsors. And the, the three of them, they come together and they want to reach out. They want to try to help the agent. And that's the, the conversation that, that I have with all three of my sponsors to say, okay, how can we help each other? How can we help the independent agent channel grow? And that's one of the things you and I talked about before we even started this conversation, before I hit record, was how grateful you and I both are to be in this industry. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I say I'm in love with this industry every single day. It, it's, not, it's really not cool, but I love it. So I, yeah, yeah. I love it. It's never been a better time to be in this industry. And I'm just going to plug one of your sponsors if you don't mind. But yeah, sure cool. mind. I love it, dude. I love it. We just, we just onboarded Canopy Connect. Man, that is some good stuff. First of all, they have great customer service. They're great onboarding. Second of all, I have a client and this is probably not their target market, but it's just weird how it happened. I send the link to someone saying, hey, as part of your onboarding, it might be easier for you instead of me sending you these 20 pieces of information do you want to just click on this link? And in two steps, you can send it to me. Lady calls me. She goes, I didn't even know that I could have a login to my carrier, big direct writer. So she creates her login with the direct writer just to then input it in Canopy Connect just so that she could send it to me. But it's, it's incredible. You know, the, their software is good. It's, I think they would agree. And I, so I'll say it publicly. It's not perfect. It's great. It's still young. And that's why I love being part of it. But what they're doing and they integrate with our website company. I don't use CoverDesk yet, but if we were going to outsource, they would probably be our choice just because they're so, from what I understand, they're amazing. But the integrations that you can have, and as I said, using, if you want me to come to your house, pick up your policy, photocopy it, and then bring back, bring you back your original, I'll do that. But if you just want to say, Aaron, get out of my hair, here's a link. Click on it. 95% of what I need. What I tell people is you send me all your existing coverage. You're moving. Just give me your new address. That's the only thing I need. Everything else is in Canopy. Yeah. Thank you. You know, that's good. You know, uh, I love plugging, you know, uh, not just because they pay me to, because I believe in them. And I vet out my sponsors before I put them in. But um, I will say I I like. I was annoyed that I didn't know about them until I found out. I was like, (laughs) 
Where the well, heck have I been for the last X number of months? Dude, they're they're amazing. So I will say I enjoy what you say, and you know, you've said it several times. Is you know, meeting your clients where they are, and that's one of the things. And, and uh, I'll tell you know, it's a little story time with the mayor for a minute. Um, so when I was a commercial producer, um, I, I I got into a niche of HVAC contractors, and some people have heard this story before that's listen. So if you want to take a pee break, take, come back in two minutes. But um, when I was doing HVAC. You talk about, you know, showing up and doing the work. Uh, I had one of my, you know, contractors that uh, I didn't really understand some of the things they were talking about. They were really big into doing the duck work and the commercial type, type of work and not just the residential. So I asked him, I was like, dude, can I go with you? He was working. Y'all Dairy Queens in New York. Um, anyway, uh, do you? No. Okay. Well, not uh, New York City. Upset. I, but I know what a Dairy Queen is. Okay. Yes, I'm, so I they were working. Under a rock. Okay. So good old blizzard, you know, that's how yeah. I stay. Trim. But anyway, so they were doing some work at a local Dairy Queen in, in my town. And so I showed up, I, I got in, I got in there, got busy on the duck work. And that went so far with him and just knowing their work, speaking their language, knowing his crew, not only to help me establish my relationship with him, but also guess what they do talks. And at the next HVAC meeting, he was like, dude, this guy is not only my insurance agent, but he got to work. He helped me do the duct work. He helped me, you know, carry a, you know, a unit and put it on top of the roof and using the bucket trucks. He helped me out. And so I got to know their language. I got to know what they were doing. And so, you know, when you talk about doing our work, showing up, delivering policies to their house, uh, I know you, you said earlier, 70 something percent commercial when you talk about premium volume. Do you do the same sort of things? Do you roll up your sleeves, get to work? Do you get to know their language? Do you speak their stuff? Do you get involved in their associations? Talk to me about some of that. I wish I did more of getting involved in the associations, but with all prospects and clients, we try to go meet them. Obviously with the pandemic, things are different, but I, I tell people on personal and commercial side, it's a little more drastic on the commercial side in terms of new business. But if I know the guts of your business, I can pitch you better than, than I can if I don't. So we recently onboarded a large food manufacturer, frozen food manufacturer. I said, Hey, can I come toward the plant? They said, like the insurance company, I said, no, I want to come. They said, why? I said, because yeah, you can send me your policies, but how can I be? And I can look at your website. I have a website. It says a bunch of things that I don't do, or it says a bunch of things that I do do, but it doesn't describe them properly. I want to get in there. And when you can get in these places and you learn about them, our longest running client, the client that my father started our firm with is a home heating oil company. Now I know more about a home heating oil. I'm sorry, let me digress. In certain parts of the country, it's not above 70 degrees all year round. So we need what's called home heat. It keeps your house warm. It's kind of like the opposite of air conditioning. Imagine if you actually had to wear a winter coat when you went out heat. Are you with me? Okay, great. So I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're doing that now. So, <laughs> so you have to heat your house. Okay, so you have to heat your house. Sorry. So you're heating your house. And so I learn about things called puffbacks. I learn, by the way, what I learned from these people having nothing to do with home heating oil is the first time I go to their site, because they have oil and they fix their own trucks, do things like that, they have a dry sprinkler system. So I now know what a wet sprinkler system is, right? Water coming out of a sprinkler head, but I know what dry sprinkler systems are. So now I get to this manufacturer. It's literally 15 years since I got the tour, the original tour of that other client. And I could talk to them, say, hey, what's What's your fire suppression like? Tell me about your fire suppression. Let me look at that. Oh, by the way, it says, I happen to just notice that it says that your roof wasn't updated. What's that guy doing on the roof? What do you mean? We have a service contract that's updated every year. Ding, ding, ding. Like just because it was luck that I was there, but ask those questions. Hey, your comp class codes are off. 
hey, what's with those shoes that you're, you have a lot of water here. Are those slip resistant shoes? I can tell you all that in a nice video presentation or in a boring PowerPoint. You're not going to listen. But when I'm wearing that coat in the food manufacturing plant, have my sleeves rolled up. And it's the same thing, by the way, with claims. I think that claims, everyone asks me, which of the processes that you have do you think will not be replaced by technology? And the answer is the claims process. That doesn't mean I'm not using a digital camera to take pictures. Obviously I am, but it means I'm going to call you. I'm going to show up at your house. I'm going to be there with the restoration company that I know that I trust that I work with, not just some big guy who sends me solicitations and send me a nice swag because I know how to work with these people. They know what I need. They know what my clients need. And that's what I do. So I love, I love rolling up my sleeves. The problem is that a lot of consumers don't like that anymore. They just want to get us out of their hair and I don't like it, but it is what it is, you know? No, I get it completely. Uh, and, you know, again, but that's the beauty of our business. It, you don't have to work with them either if you don't want to. If that's your style and you want to roll your sleeves up, I think, you know, the industry issue there for me is not enough agents do that. I mean, it's good for you if you do, because then you can beat your competition. But that's an easy thing that you could do to set yourself apart from the next guy. I think that every agent has to find their, their secret, thing, their secret sauce. You know, of there are course. some people that are really good at analyzing experience mods. I'm good at it. I'm definitely not the best. I understand that. There are certain people that are really good at classifying workers comp and can dig into financials. I know how to read financials and look for DNO risks and holes like that. But I also know where I'm not so great. I just think that it's really hard for people to trust you if they don't know you. And that doesn't and how that doesn't mean that everyone wants to get to know us, right? If you rent an apartment and you just want renters insurance or you're buying your first co-op and you just want tech and we work with a carrier and it's great and you don't really want to speak to me, I'll get that vibe and you won't want to speak to me. But you know what? When you pick up the phone or you send a carrier, how often do we have it that we get alerts from carriers that a claim was filed? And I call the person, they were just in an auto accident and the guy's like, "How'd you know?" I said, "First of all, We've been working together for, our family's working together for 25 years. Why didn't you call me? You have my cell phone number. You should have called me first. Second of all, I just want to make sure you're okay. I got an alert from the insurance company. I can't, guys, I can't believe you called me. Hold on a second. It's a phone call. I sit at this desk all day. It's a phone call. So I didn't send two emails and I called you in your quick moment of need. Yeah, I'll follow up with you in an email. Make sure you get the pictures in, all that kind of stuff. But claim phone call? I don't know. It's easy. How it can is. anyone say that that's not their business model? No, I, I get it. Uh, and so again, it's like you said earlier, I love the way you said that. And I agree with you. It's setting yourself apart. Everybody's finding their secret sauce. Again, whatever that may look like for you, the listener right now. Uh, so can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah, dude. So I know I'm, no, I'm taking over your podcast, but how do I become the elected deputy mayor of insurance town? Oh, man. can I get on the ballot? Yeah, you can get on the ballot. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to I am going to I'm going to campaign hard. I'm there a you deputy, go. Not, not mayor, just deputy. I'm going to campaign hard. OK, I was about to say I, I own the city, so I'm going to always be the mayor. However, I, I could always use a good deputy mayor or even a sheriff, you know, yeah, oh, oh, the sheriff yeah, of insurance town. You got it. That'd be so cool. Um, speaking of, you know, this is a great segue. I don't know if you do this on purpose or not, since you're taking over my show. But we talk about government. We're talking about the city. We're talking about, you know, insurance town. Um, I understand, you know not necessarily a niche you have, but something you do, maybe it is a niche. You get into some government contract work. You yes. do some of that. How did you get into that? How does one talk to me about that a little bit? Cause I think that's fascinating. So I think that first of all, how did I get into it? I'm not going to lie to you. It was luck, but we're opportunistic. And that it doesn't mean that we didn't know what we were talking about. It means that I had a client, 
I met a guy at a networking event. He was in his family's business. Like everyone else, he said, our insurance sucks. That was how he started. I was like, or something like, yeah, I hate our insurance. I feel like they're always stealing from us. I've heard it before. Doesn't scare me. I'm totally fine. So I kind of stayed in touch with the guy. I said, hey, can I look at your renewal? And there was a question about their rating. And it didn't make sense to me because there's something called federal tort and there's immunity when you work in certain government contracts and what has to be in there. And I kind of heard about it in the back of my head because some of our clients do work for municipalities. So I kind of heard the thing thrown around. So I called an underwriter of ours who I knew wasn't going to write the account. And I said, hey, can you just educate me on this? And he knows I'm my dad's son. He knows that I'm my mom's son. He knows how we roll. And he kind of gave me the spiel. And I was able to go back to them and say, I don't know if it's wrong. I don't, I don't comment on other people's work products like that, but there's something that's not clicking perfectly on this submission. And your losses are so great. And you guys, meaning favorable, not great in terms of large, you guys are such a favorable risk that we got to just dig back in to underwrite it. We got to dig. And so the end of the story is I work with them. I went back to a carrier, met the underwriter, really hit it off with the guy. We had no other accounts with them, but kind of met through a friend, you know, another underwriter in the company and went back to them and said, Hey, I have this great proposal. It's a program that's made for government contracts like you. And they said, yeah, they declined us a couple of years ago. We don't like them. And our broker said, our current broker said the guy's a jerk or something like that. And I said, I don't know that. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to vouch for the guy like he's my best friend, but how about this? Your account means would mean enough to me. And I know that this guy has your all of your competitors in this program, your largest competitors. What if I bring the guy down to your office? Let's sit down. Let's break bread. Let's have coffee. Let, let's do something. And they said, no underwriters ever come in here. And by the way, this has become my largest commercial account. So this is not like a waste of my time. The revenue will justify this. The guy said, no problem. When it works for them. And two weeks later, brought down the underwriter. And he brought down his service team, not the whole team, but you know, a company from service, someone from claims, the program manager from the carrier, all that kind of stuff. And they were like, okay, we're in. And then by the way, we've been lucky. They've grown. We've been able to work with them. We've been able to lean on some of our carrier relationships that are direct, that have been crazy. And they've come through for us. And every Dude. single time I tell my father that carriers won't come through for us, they do. But I just, I like to learn. And I think that people, I don't want to knock on other agents. That's not what you and I do. But no. I think that there is a percentage, a large percentage of the insurance population that's being underserviced. I'm not going to nail who. I don't know who it is. It, by the way, it might be people like, let's say when my dad, if my dad didn't have me around and he didn't want to sell his business right now, he wouldn't be able to service his clients well because he doesn't know what we know about technology, right? So it's those people who may, may not be working in those things that their clients are falling through the cracks. And that's an opportunity for us. And I feel grateful just to get the opportunities. Don't win them all, but. But that was, that was a big risk on your part to bring down that whole squad, you know, from that carrier because it may not have worked. And then you spent that money, you spent that time, you spent that effort. But again, it goes back to, you know, putting that work in, putting that grind in. First of all, it didn't, what, what did it cost me financially? Not to challenge you, but it cost me time at some gas. So yes, you could say that gas or tolls are a, are an expense, but the only real expense was time. And well, I, I figured you flew them. I didn't know you had to pay it out oh, of your no. pocket. They no. they flew themselves. Down. They flew down. They flew down. Okay. Well, most of them drove. Sorry, but but I didn't. So I didn't mean to misrepresent that. But my point is, like, I have nothing but time. I'm 33 years old. I have no plan B. I probably could get another job, but my I really have no plan B, in, and I don't want to have a plan B. I have four little kids. I love this business, and so my time is meeting people, cultivating those relationships. And as I say over and over again, 
why the reason why I love being in the PNC business is because renewals are equally as valuable to me as a piece of new business. So, I don't count carrier bonuses. You know what I'm saying? That to me, I don't work for carrier bonuses. I also don't place business in a certain carrier if we get more commission. So all I can do most of my days is spend some of my day chasing new business and prospecting. But a lot of my day, I can cultivate those existing businesses. Those clients will become referral sources and that's how I can grow my business. Oh, 100%. But, you know, going back to, you know, what you just said is, you know, cultivating new clients out of the older ones uh, or the existing ones and growing by referrals. Do you have other government contracts now? Has this become a niche or is this just a one-off big account for you? So I've worked on a couple, very hard business to get into. I would love for it to become a niche. We had a couple before. And actually, also a good part of the story is I didn't realize that this market existed. So I could have lost the business. Yeah. My other business that I've now placed with this program because had another agent come along and said, why are you not with this program? And that doesn't mean I did anything wrong. I just can't know everything about everything. So now I was able to go back to my, my other clients and proactively say, hey, nothing's wrong with your insurance, but I just want you to know, I think that I have a better option for you, better coverage, better pricing, more tailored coverage. And I didn't tell them that I got it because of another client. They just assume, I think, that I got it because my ears to the pavement. And so, yeah, I'm growing out that niche People are listening. If there's other agents that want some advice, I don't even need to be paid. I'll gladly work with you. I think that clients deserve the best. Everyone's clients deserve the best service. So yeah, I'm carving out a niche there. I love food manufacturing. Got into that. And uh, yeah, I mean, we do we do a lot of crazy stuff here. So awesome. yeah, uh, great, great transition again. I mean, you got to be a podcast host. So maybe you should come on and guest host to be my deputy mayor for a little while. Deputy mayor, I'm in. Dude, uh, because I just looked up and I say this, you know, at least every fourth or fifth one, but golly, we're already wrapping up on that hour. And I'll be, I want to be respectful of your time and mine, but uh, you just talked about, you know, you'd be glad to talk to other agents. Could you give out your contact info? Could you give out some information there? Of course. Um, and let us know if we, if we can find if you think last minute things you want to wrap up on. The floor is yours. Uh, take us home. I want to say, first of all, thank you again for having me in Insurance Town. Uh, It's really an honor and a privilege to meet the mayor and to, I guess, I guess I'm now officially the potential or candidate for deputy mayor. Oh, yeah. You're the only kid. You're running unopposed right now. Well, that's what what you think. This is about to blow up. We're starting something. This is about to blow up. Be careful what you wish for. There are so many listeners here. They're going to start fighting with you. By the way, there's probably someone who thinks that the deputy. But just remember, I'm running. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So you can reach me, Aaron Gordon, on LinkedIn. My email address is very easy. My full, my first name, Aaron at Gordon Companies. Just don't forget the IES at the end. Find me on Instagram, Facebook. My my handle is NY Risk Advisor. Reach out to me. I pride myself on getting back to people, but if I don't, please don't be offended. And I won't be offended if you email me again or call me or message me and curse me out because I got thick skin and I don't want to disrespect you, but I definitely want to be in touch with you. And anyway, I can help anyone. Heath, anything I can help you, I would I would really love it. So thanks for having me. Dude, thank you so much. And there now was come to New York, man. Come to New York. Let's I'm, I'm coming. City. I'm coming, dude. Uh, the food alone is going to drive me there, but I want to come to the Gordon Companies. Um, no Dairy you know, Queen, though. You'll have to find something else. I had a whole notebook. You're talking about notebooks full of things I wanted to get into with you. So uh, I'm extending another invite back someday uh, whenever we can get on our calendars because there are some topics on here we did not even get to discuss. So uh, guys, stay tuned for that. It's going to happen. Uh, thanks again, dude, for showing up, for hanging out, for making my audience better just by being here, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with me and my man Aaron Gordon today on the show. I really hope that the content we brought you made you a better insurance professional, as I want to do every single week. Week in and week out, I come out here and do these shows because I love you, my citizens. If you need anything ever at all, reach out to me at uh, heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. If you've got an idea for a show, if you've got a guest idea, if you've got a just a, a, somebody you want to talk about, something you want to uh, to get off your chest, feel free to reach out to me. The mayor's here for you. I love you, my citizens. If you've got an idea for your own show and you want to have your own podcast, let's talk about that too. I can introduce you to my man Ryan over at Ready Set Podcast. Uh, the web address is getreadysetpodcast.com. You can find him on social media. You can find him on uh, most platforms that are out there, or you can listen to his shows. Uh, he's pretty amazing. Go to getreadysetpodcast.com. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality and if you haven't subscribed to my show please do so it won't take but a second just click the little button and download all the past episodes you haven't heard yet i don't know if anybody's even listening right now if you're right now listening to the outro i want you to shoot me an email tell me that you listened to the outro and i'll send you a prize of some sort i just want to see if anybody listens this is my test pilot See if anybody listens to my outros. If you do, shoot me an email and I'll send you a gift card or some swag or a coffee cup or something. Uh, let me know if you're listening right now. <laughs> Please do. Heath at insurancedownpodcast.com. Don't tell anybody else that's cheating. This is only for you to listen. Thanks again, guys, for the bottom of my heart for listening to the show. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.